Excuse me, but are you loving this podcast? If you are, you can support the show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. All you have to do is hit the link in the show description to support now. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Excuse me, I have something to say. Hello and welcome to Excuse Me, the podcast where we have real and open conversations about life and everything it throws at us. I'm your host, Sean Philip Naylor, and if you're tuning in for the first time, don't forget to click on that subscribe button so you never have to miss out on an episode. You can also join in on the conversation by surfing your way over to the show's official website, excusemeihavesomethingtosay.com. Or you can follow along through with the show's official Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter account, where you can slide right on into my DMs, let me know your thoughts and feelings of the show, or if there's any future topics that you wish for me to tackle. And as always, you can find those social links embedded into the show notes for you. Hi guys, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast. Today is the 30th of December and that means two things. Firstly, we are so close to putting this shit storm of a year that has been 2020 behind us and I'm sure there are many out there who cannot wait to just box this year up and toss it into the back of their minds. Secondly, it is the final episode of season one of Excuse Me, I Have Something to Say and I do. Throughout the tumultuous year that was, I got to work on this little podcast. Back in October 2019, when I first started toying with the idea of turning my tiny little blog into a tiny little podcast, never would I have imagined how fulfilling the whole process would become. First of all, I want to say the biggest thank you to all of you listeners and subscribers out there, to those of you who tune in every episode and those who check in just for a topic that might speak to them and to those who listened, didn't like it and never came back. I'm grateful to all of you and I thank you for choosing to spend some of your precious time here with me. To the guests of season one, you are all amazing humans and you were also generous with your time, your experience, your expertise, your stories. With each episode, I've been given feedback on how your personal stories have affected and impacted our listeners in some way or another. 
And for those listeners who shared your stories with me, thank you for being so brave and for reaching out. When I started the podcast, it was really a way for me to find my own voice again after struggling with my own depression and anxieties for a while. It was also a way to talk about everyday life stuff in a personable way. In the front of my notebook where I jot down episode ideas and other nonsensical scribbles, I wrote that with excuse me, I wanted to have fun, to learn and to educate and to make real human connections through conversation that will encourage me and others to be and do better. I think we've definitely started down that path. Also, when I started the podcast, I was a complete novice, still am. I knew nothing about what I was doing. And like one of my own previous episodes, I'm faking it until I make it. Possibly the most exciting and unexpected thing from all of this was when my tiny little podcast got picked up by an award-winning national podcasting network. And so on that note, I would like to say a huge thank you to Dan Gregg and Lip Media for taking a chance on me and inviting me to be a part of the Lip Media family this year. I am truly grateful. This year, we've recorded over 20 episodes now, released every fortnight since 8th of April. We have chatted about social distancing as it was becoming part of our vernacular. Rochelle Lindquist from May Contain Traces of Soy educated us on feminism and the history of Halloween. We've shared coming out stories and learned to embrace our own identities. We have learned about nutrition, what it's like to become a first-time parent. We got nostalgic and delved into our favorite films and most influential queer characters from TV. We've spoken about dealing with loss of loved ones, with addiction, and even becoming our parents. It's been a huge first year and first season for Excuse Me. And in 2021, the conversations are only getting bigger, deeper, and more real. But for now, as we look ahead to 2021 and reflect back on the year that was 2020, with all of its ups and downs, allow me to share with all of you some of the best bits of season one of excuse me i have something to say um okay so let's get down to to business what we're actually here to talk about um is social distancing so as it stands at the time of recording this episode which by the time it airs will probably be completely outdated Um, We're on a stage three lockdown in Australia. All our borders are closed. Only essential workers are going to work. We're not essential. (laughs) Our partners are, so they're going off to work. And Sean and I are here with coffee. That's right. Coffee and chats. Because, and FYI, we are allowed to be here because although they have uh, increased social distancing rules, you can now have somebody who is not living in your household come to visit but no more than two people and you have to abide by social distancing which if we sound distant on the microphone it's because we're abiding we're abiding by all the rules and i've got a liter of sanitizer in my bag you do (laughs) (laughs) there's a part of me that's like are you being a bit ridiculous or are you being safe like i don't know what's going on i don't think we can accuse anyone of being ridiculous like the other day, I actually felt a bit disciplined in public. I have to just maybe accept 
what they were saying was true, but I was walking the dogs and I promise I won't bring the dogs up at every opportunity, <laughs> but I was walking them. And you know, the little entryways to the beach, they're a couple mm-hmm. of meters wide and the dogs were smelling something and this couple were trying to enter. And I said, Oh, just walk around me. And he looked at me, he said, well, we can't, can we? Because it's not 1.5 meters. And I thought, well, it probably is. And don't, I just felt like I was accused of doing something wrong, but then in hindsight, I thought, oh, look, you actually do. We all do have to do the right thing. And I've, I've seen many opportunities in where I could have said something to someone and I, I choose not to. Yeah. I mean, there's a way to say it. I mean, I felt he was a bit firm with me, but <laughs> I do think it's worth pointing out to do the right thing. Ask... Sorry to interrupt you. When you're constantly trying to do the right thing and you make one little slip up mm. and somebody points it out, yeah. that's frustrating yeah i know and it's not yeah it can't be an excuse for people to get on their moral high horse and put others down i think this for me at at the at least this is the second wave feminists are the feminists in which i guess i'm probably most familiar or at least after i mean of course you sent me all those articles and i've read them and obviously a lot of things sort of fall into place the more you read but these are sort this is sort of the generation of feminists that are quote unquote burning their bras right Yes, which never actually happened. Interestingly, no that's a fallacy. No bras were harmed during this movement. No bras were harmed in the <laughs> making of this social movement. Actually, that that's something that kind of cropped up because these women gathered and they were protesting, I believe it was the Miss America pageant in the late 1960s. And at that protest, they threw down items that they saw to be sexualizing or oppressive of women. Some of them were bras and some of them were playboys. And it was sensationalized in the local paper saying they were burning their bras, but it didn't actually happen. I I think from some point there forward, probably it did happen as a result of people copying what they thought it was. Difference feminism was basically celebrating the differences and it embraced the concept that feminists could embrace their femininity again. It kind of, it, it, it took a different approach. It said, you know what? You don't have to be someone who goes, I'm not going to wear makeup and that makes me a feminist. And, you're not a good feminist if you choose to try and make yourself attractive. They sort of rejected that. And they said, there are, you know, distinct differences between women and men. And we celebrate those differences. We are still equal, but we are equal and different to them. And if anything, femininity should be raised up. It should be celebrated. It's a beautiful thing. It's a strong thing to be feminine, which was, a little bit different obviously to the second waivers who very much rejected femininity a lot of the time and more they went to a more androgynous place to try and get that equal footing with men forever there will be a trope of the angry feminist because we've got a lot to be angry about and telling you know sort of telling a feminist to calm down and to give her views in a more palatable way just buys into the very issues that they are fighting against so and can you just smile while you do it please smile more (laughs) (laughs) oh man exactly exactly though it's those microaggressions Mm -hmm. um and they're experienced more by people who fall within different intersections you know the the angry lesbian is a trope and the angry um 
you know, black woman. That's another trope that people believe and they will buy into that very quickly. If you show any emotion and you are a woman of color, if you show any emotion as a gay woman, like, oh, you know, she's just an angry dyke, like, or she's just an angry black woman, that kind of crap that, yeah, there's just yeah. no place for it. It's not always about a TV show. It's not all, it's sometimes it's about a music. It's about or a music smell. Or smell a is smell. really good oh, for nostalgia. Definitely, definitely. You, Brings... I remember you telling me how much you loved taking about take taking a walk at a particular time of the evening because uh, those smells brought back memories for you from when you were younger. That's true. One of my first jobs, in fact, my very first job, was selling lollies door to door, and I was about thirteen and nine months, and we'd often do it in the evening, and you'd walk around knocking on people's doors saying, would you like to buy some lollies? (laughs) Interrupting people's evening, but you'd always have all of these different smells. And it made me hungry all the time. But uh, yeah, smells are a very important part of nostalgia, definitely. Definitely. There was, especially in my teen years, there were certain TV shows or movies that I would not watch with other people because there was a very slight queer... There was, yeah, there was. Which was problematic for me because as a man who came out when he was 37 years old, I couldn't watch those shows. I didn't feel comfortable watching those shows. I couldn't even wear a pink T-shirt. Why why did you not feel comfortable about watching those kind of shows that may have had those gay undertones? Because I didn't want people to find out that I was a homosexual. And it's different talking about it now, years later. But yeah, I just couldn't do it. For instance, classic example, Brokeback Mountain. Could never watch it. Watched it years and years later in the privacy of my own bedroom because I just couldn't do it with anybody else. And then, as I said, my father passed away and I was then put into a state high school and that is where I started to dabble in marijuana. That was my... Gateway. My gateway, if you want to call it that. And obviously started smoking cigarettes and then I slowly got into... The nightclub scene and started dabbling in party drugs like ecstasy, speed. That was yeah, pretty much, pretty much my life when I was 17, 18 years old. So how into that were you? Like, was it consuming for you, or was it just like the sort of, I guess, the start of addiction? It was it was a, the start of addiction, but I, I nipped it in the bud fairly early on because I, I found a career. And, and it was expensive, I suppose. It was only a weekend thing for me. I would need to have some sort of stimulant to go party of a weekend. That's how I saw it. I never saw it as a daily, a need to, to use it daily. My friends consisted of drug addicts. I had a couple of people in my life, such as yourself and Ben, who were not really aware of what was going on because I, I, I held that from everyone that I loved. The people that I hung out with and got high with, they were all the people that I had that related to why I wanted to use because I, they were they were in the same predicament for some different reason. So yeah, it, it had an effect. I, I sort of, I didn't wipe my hands of my of my genuine friends. I gained some really great relationships from people that were drug drug users. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. One of my best friends is is an ex drug addict. Uh, we went through it all together. We've both come out the other the, the other side much better people but i i had to cut out my my straight friends because i didn't want them to see what it was doing to me i didn't want them to know what was going on because there was a level of shame yes shame that you were using or shame that 
you had gone so far down the rabbit hole? Both. I think it was, um, I couldn't stop using because if I didn't use, I could feel again and I didn't want to feel. I wanted to be in a place where I felt untouchable. It was hard. It was easier once I'd told the people I love. Yeah. Once I'd got that out, it made it a lot easier to accept the fact that I had so much support and so much love. It was I, just there that you didn't realise? didn't even know, yeah. I didn't want it. <clears throat> I mean, who would want to tell their mum that they used to smoke a pipe yeah. every day to get through each day? And I'm talking a habit that was worth a good six, $700 a week just for the product. So I, I was financially, physically, mentally destroyed I didn't think that they would understand, so of course I'm not going to tell them. Yeah. But once I had that, once they knew, and and I, of course my mum and my my stepdad, opened their arms. They've they've said, you know, this happens. Where's the drive come from? Is it just like, yeah, you know what? I'm just fuck it. I'm going to see if I can do this. I think it's. I have a ridiculous amount of optimism, probably to the point where it's excessive. I always think things will work out in my favour always and not in a cocky way I'm not like my lab is so good everything gets to touch the gold yeah well <laughs> I don't know I just think you know why not try like if you really put your heart and soul into something if you really work hard I just believe it will always work out well and I always have I'm definitely a glass full person it's not even half full it's full man hold up What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Instead of fake it till you make it, why don't you fake it until you are it? Boom. Yes. Yes. Amy Boom. Mic drop. Love you, Amy Cuddy. Yeah. Love that. So, and it's very, very true. It's very, very true. I was just going to say, it def- definitely is definitely is true and I feel like fake it till you make it is that is the essence that is what it means when I think about fake it till you make it or fake it till you are it you're (laughs) this I don't mean this is an insult it's definitely not it's a compliment you're one of the people in my life that I go oh yeah she she does that she can do that she's got the gift of the gab she's fun she's positive she could she can she can fake it until she is it um where am I going with this you're distracting me with you. I don't know, but I don't know, but I have answers. <laughs> For me, when I was 
younger and sort of hiding from my sexuality and my identity, I was very much in awe of the character of Jack McPhee from Dawson's Creek. Okay, so is he one of yours? Is one of mine, <laughs> <laughs> and the 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 number one that I was working no. towards was no. Jack. <laughs> oh no, I've just ruined everything. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> well, you could never ruin anything by professing your love for Jack McPhee. I mean, firstly, as a character, what a great character that they created with him. His storylines that he had, for the most part, I personally think were absolutely very beautifully and and well written um my next one for you though good sir is how do you feel about Shit's creek i love that show with every fiber of my being i cried so much in the last two episodes the only other time i think i've cried that much in a tv show is the finale of dawson's creek funnily enough (laughs) oh my god (laughs) so sad yeah. Oh, don't I, even mention that. That's like the Marley and me of people yeah, movies. I remember I was like heaving when I watched the the uh, Dawson's Creek finale. And like, right even you. after it finished, I was still crying. And then like, my yep. mom walks in, she's like, why are you crying this much about Dawson's Creek? I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, she's great. It's just such a beautiful show. And that the romance, David's romance is just next level. Like simply it's- the best and like amazing so good and i mean generally like queer representation nowadays if you made this list like what's your favorite queer performances at the moment it would be like a million people long like it was funny doing doing, every show has someone now yeah and it's funny doing the research for this and like obviously i went through like wikipedia and whatever and just to remind myself of what was around when i was growing up and it's funny like how few shows actually had gay main characters um, what, yeah. uh, what was the inspiration behind the new song? Well, I wrote the new song really when I was in the middle of like a panic attack and I was trying to think of just kind of every possible scenario that goes through your head when you're having a panic attack. So essentially when I'm having a lot of panic attacks or when I'm in the midst of something really bad, I generally am just hearing music in the back of my head. So everything's intense and there'll be just some intense music going on. And that's how like in the first couple of bars of the songs, it goes like the guitar was playing in the back of my head. And that's like, a lot of the times if I'm like in the middle of a panic attack or something like that I'll be just like hearing some music in the back of my head and sometimes it'll be a bit too hard or a bit too much to just kind of stop and write something to it yeah you suffer a little bit with anxiety is that right yeah yeah I I would say um I suffer a lot with anxiety It's um it's something that's definitely been been quite hard hitting in my life personally I know that it's, um, I don't know if it's just like a generational thing, but it definitely seems like at least more people are coming out and being more like open about suffering from it. Definitely. It's, it's definitely, I guess, more, it's taken more seriously now and it's spoken about um, with more weight. So I think that's like the main thing with anxiety is like that overwhelming feeling that, oh no, everything is not okay. Well, it's like I have a dog who suffers with anxiety, separation anxiety, and he is absolutely gorgeous but he'll sit out in the backyard and bark all day long and he pisses the neighbors off and that gives me anxiety because then i'm like well fuck the neighbors are going to be shitty with me when i get home because he's been barking all day just because he you know he just wants a hug and to have his people there and to to know that everything's going to be okay and it's funny because i find with anxiety a lot of the time it's a circular thing cyclical Mm. i think the word is um where 
there's one thing that produces anxiety and then that has that knock-on domino effect. So like I have anxiety about my dog having anxiety who has anxiety about me leaving and then I have anxiety about leaving. And then, then you go, then you go home and if you're feeling anxious and say you've got to talk to like your partner or your neighbors or something like that, you give them a bit of anxiety and it kind of just carries on to them. Right. Like, it's some, it's yeah. toxic. It's infectious. That's why I think the most important thing to do is talk about it. So the the whole jack-o'-lantern thing is really fascinating because it came from a fable about this guy called Jack and he was also called, I think... Oh, you know what? Maybe he was Irish because yeah. his last name was O'Lantern. <laughs> Jack O'Lantern. That is terrible, okay? That is the worst <laughs> joke you've ever made on your podcast. And it's a pun, so Daniel's going to love it. Yeah. But yeah, so his name was Jack and he was a really bad troublemaker. He was so bad that the fable says that the devil kicked him out of hell. But devil being a nice guy, as yeah, he is. Yeah, as he is. <laughs> so he pity. was like, look, I'm going to take a little bit of pity on you. Here's a single ember. And he, Jack takes this ember and he puts it in a hollowed out turnip. And that's his lantern that he lights his way when he walks, you know, through earth of the evening. Because that's what he did. He just was, de- you know, doomed to walk the earth at night with this lantern. So Jack's lantern... Um, and that's why all these little Irish kids used to make these hollowed out turnips and put a candle inside them. And it was supposed to ward away evil. When the tradition came to America, though, they were like... America went, we're hey. going to do bigger and better. Yeah, we, they did. They were like, we can make it bitter, bigger, we can make it better, we can make it huge. Okay, it's, we, we have make the Make America great again uh, with pumpkins. Well, it is orange, so I feel like that's on point. Right. And another one with the apples was... You do a long peel of the apple skin and then you throw it over your left shoulder, either onto the floor or onto uh, into a bowl of water. And whatever shape the apple peel. They did this on Charmed. I know. When they went back and. Yeah, that's right. In the history of the witches. That was really interesting. I didn't know that was an actual thing. That was a real thing. So whatever shape it took, that was the initial of your lover's Christian name. Would it ever be a Q. I mean, I mean no, it's, this, it's always going to be, a, be C. a C, no matter what you do. <laughs> it's going to be a C. It's not going to be a T, is it? Because you're not throwing two pieces in there. So there was a lot of young maidens looking for a Carl or a, <laughs> a Christopher, a Christopher or... or a Christian. Well, they wanted Christians. All of them were after Christians. Despite, <laughs> despite the fact that they're clearly practicing witchcraft. Like, that's, that's exactly what that was. But perfectly acceptable on this Christian holiday. The next one is that you both can devour any sort of chili. Oh, yeah. Like, you love that flavor. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I don't preferably enjoy as much. But, like, the chilies that I've seen growing up in the gardens have been a massive variety. Ali, how's your mum with chili? Not great. Probably the same as me. Not, like, go. a That's... favorite. You probably got that. that Because there is this whole genetic thing that you... The level of spice in which that you can handle is genetically passed down. I'll find out where i read the article um it comes from one of your parents so if it comes from the mother that would explain why he can handle a chili because carol likes a chili right and you don't handle a chili because your mom doesn't like a chili there we go there you go learn something new every day science (laughs) okay this this one's my favorite both hold their emotions in until they explode is what i wrote down and i don't know dad I don't think you've always done this. I It might just be like you're becoming more of your mother every day. Can we talk about the tuck? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. 
I know as as a straight white male, which is not me, but as me, I actually don't know anything about the tuck. I know that it's a thing. I know it's a terminology. I know things get tucked, but um, yeah. There's multiple ways of doing it. Tie it in a knot and can you tie it in a bow? And do you throw it over your shoulder like a continental soldier? (laughs) No, so you can do the very old school method of tape tucking. So Today have even got a new method of tucking. Yeah. So the old school method is, you know, tape tucking. So you can either use the medical like strapping tape. Is this good if you have a shorty McShorterson? No. Again, the entire, the size of your member does not dictate the (laughs) tightness of your tuck. Ah, oh, (laughs) pun and I didn't even realize that one. (laughs) Be honest in saying that, unfortunately, I'm probably not the right queen to answer this question. Going back to what we were talking about before being the fact that I'm a white male, so I come from a area of privilege. But from what I have seen or has been discussed with me from fellow queens of colour, it's not necessarily the drag community itself that gives them any sort of like grief, but it's the actual fans um, or people seeing the drag shows. So like, yeah, because again, it comes down to unfortunately the way society is ingrained that we're slowly, slowly going to change. But yeah, my, my personal experiences, I haven't really found any sort of struggles myself because again, I'm unfortunately born to a life of privilege and the fact that I've got white skin and I'm a cis male. And he, like weekend dad though. And so when we were there, he always like, you know, let's drink and like, you cool know, dad. just trying to be cool dad, cool weekend dad. And he um, let us watch all of this shit, um, all these horror films and stuff. He let us pretend to do Ouija board seances. No, I mean, we definitely did all that shit, you know, you do uh, lights of feathers, stiff as a board. But, they, but he said, um, I said, what's wrong with the dog? I don't know, what the dog, I can't remember his name. And the dog was just sitting in the corner, staring up at the corner, like in the ceiling. And he was like, he does that sometimes when there's someone here. And I was like, oh, I'm out, fuck this. So I went upstairs, <laughs> pretend I was going to bed or something, but it's shaking in my boots going, yes, I'll pick that up. I'll go upstairs. It felt logical. And then eventually the three other girls come upstairs and we were just chit-chatting and stuff. But then we're all just mucking about doing some more craft shit. And then there's a knock at the window. <laughs> we were like, what? Anyway, I was first out. See ya, I'm bigger, I'm faster for some reason. When there's fear, I'm out. And I just pushed everyone out of the way and got out there. And we went downstairs and the dad had gone to all the effort of getting a ladder all the way around the front of the house and just going to knock at the window. <laughs> I thought that, I was so mad. Now I think it's absolutely genius. I can't wait to do that to my kids. He really won, cool dad. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'll be scared though doing it. <laughs> I'll scare myself. That's the problem. I'll be like, oh my god, I'm really frightened. I'm outside. It's night time. Uh, a ladder. Head <laughs> <laughs> <I had> run. <laughs> it won't be a knock on the window. The kids are here. It'll be you falling off the ladder. I'll be calling 999 <laughs> kids. <laughs> Triple zero. I've broken my leg. You know, we, we have to come out with a beautiful hand that's totally glazed perfectly. And, you know, there'll be well-dressed, you know, mum and dad and there's, you know, happy kids who are not screaming and finally sitting at the table quite politely. You know, and Nan and Pop are there. They don't seem to have any major health issues. You know, and that's, that's what we're being sold. That's what we're being marketed. And if you don't have this, then there's something wrong with you. And that's what we should strive for. 
and yeah, that's right. We don't see the queer family where, you know, we don't see the family of choice in the path. Someone has a disability, someone's, you know, transitioning. You know, we don't, we don't, we're erased from that picture. And so therefore we think it's not for us, but we're told you have to want that. Yeah, it's, it's quite a radical queer, queering of Christmas, isn't it? To go, I'm not, no, I'm not buying into that. I'm gonna, I can create my own reality instead of the one we're sold and marketed and packaged. Well, guys, that's a wrap on season one of Excuse Me, I Have Something to Say. We will be back early next year with more real and open conversations with real and interesting people. Stay tuned to the podcast's socials for season two sneak peeks and release dates. And if you have something to say, whether you want to be a guest and share your own views and experiences and stories, or even if you have a topic you want me to tackle, hit me up on those socials. It's Facebook at Excuse Me, I Have Something to Say. Twitter and Instagram at Excuse Me underscore pod. Or contact me directly on Instagram at Sean Phillip Official. Remember to subscribe to the show through your favorite podcast provider or at excuse me, I have something to say.com so you don't miss season two's premiere. That's it for now. A huge, huge thank you once again to all of the guests of season one, to all of our Lip Media and Acast family, and most of all, to all of you, the listeners. Happy New Year to all of you. Take care, stay safe, and I'll see you next year. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.